the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. Five minutes. That's how far behind the second place finisher was in a women's bicycle race a couple of weeks ago. Of course, the winner was a man pretending to be a woman, and he won $5,000, which is $5,000 more than the woman who finished second would have won if there had only been women in the women's bicycle race. Uh, There was a hearing on Capitol Hill yesterday. Riley Gaines, who's been an excellent witness for women who don't want to have to compete against men and dress in the same locker room with them, uh, spoke about how she was an award-winning elite college swimmer and the fact that her brother was also a swimmer in college, did okay, but never came close to achieving what she did as a woman. But if they were to race, in her words, he would kick my butt. Kelly Robinson testified at this hearing, and according to the Human Rights Campaign website, Kelly Robinson is, quote, the ninth president of the Human Rights Campaign, the first black queer woman to lead the organization. She was selling the idea that there's no difference between men and women competing in sports. Uh, Ted Cruz wasn't buying. Ms. Robinson, do you agree with Ms. Gaines that there's a difference between women and men? If the question is about trans women... I'm just asking, is there a difference between women and men? What I can say here is that the NCAA has rules in place. They've had rules in place for the last decade, and when this competition... Okay, okay, I'm going to try again. The rules were clear. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? It's a yes-no question. Do you believe there's a difference? Oh, I think that we're talking about this case with the NCAA. No, I'm asking a question. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? Most people could answer this very simply. I'm curious if you're willing to do so. Oh, absolutely. I'm just putting it into the context of the conversation that we're having. I think that there are definitions related to sex. So I'm trying to get a yes or no. I'm not trying to get get a speech. Is there a difference between women and men? I think that there are definitions for biological sex. So you're not answering that. Let me ask you this question then. Why do women's sports exist? If you can't define a difference between women and men, why not abolish women's sports and just tell little girls to swim with little boys and see who wins? Oh, I'm simply saying that... um, that sex is My different question, than gender. Why and I do, do believe why that women's, do women's sports, sports have a great exist? value. I mean, Senator, I'll M- tell you M- right Ms. now. Ms. Robinson, please answer the question I'm asking you. Absolutely. Why do women's sports exist? I think that there are so many positive benefits to sports. But I mean, why have a separate category for women? If, if, you, if there's no difference between women and men, why to have women's sports? I'm saying that there's a difference between sex and gender and that the NCAA has rules in place, which they have for the so last Mr. decade. Mr. Chairman, I, I would like to enter into the record an, an article from Duke, Duke Law called Comparing Athletic Performances for the Best Elite Women to Boys and Men. Yeah, who needs uh, Duke Law to tell you that a five-minute win by a person who's a man against women is, a, is, you know, is enough to convince you? Anyway, the more men they allow to compete, the, the quicker the insanity is going to come to an end. Nobody with a brain believes uh, that men and women should compete against each other in sports. Nobody with a brain believes that. And the five-minute win in the bike race should have been the shark-jumping moment, but I guess we're not there yet. Anyway, when we come back, Cully Stimson, legal expert from the Heritage Foundation, will be here on the talk about the slap that Hunter Biden got on his wrist yesterday. And in our second half hour... An expert on the history of guns in the U.S. on the idiotic statements made uh, on the Second Amendment yesterday by the President of the United States. Stick around. Wesley is a truck driver. I drive a truck and I love what I do. A truck driver with IRS troubles. They told me I owed them $43,000. It got really bad. <laughs> Quite a few letters in the mail. They were talking uh, about wage garnishment, coming after my house, my car. Yeah, they, they don't play around. 
seriously thought that I was going to lose everything. One sleepless night, Wesley finally made a call to Optima Tax Relief at 2 a.m. kind of figured I'd get a machine, but I didn't. I actually got to talk to an actual person in the middle of the night. <laughs> he found just what he was looking for. Oh, they were great people. You need a team of people that know what they're doing. Optima Tax, they know what they're doing. Optima Tax Relief came through with flying colors. I saved an incredible amount of money. Happy don't even come close. I was absolutely overjoyed. Take Wesley's advice. If you're in any kind of trouble with the IRS, call Optima Tax Relief. Don't trust anybody else. Call Optima for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does JD Waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And? By not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And JD Waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY. J&D Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY. If you have an IRA or 401k, please listen closely. My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. Throughout my career, let's just say I've been in some hairy situations. And I believe right now the biggest threat facing Americans is they need to protect their wealth, which is exactly what I'm doing for my wife and six kids. And I believe the ultimate safe haven is physical gold and silver. You can protect your hard-earned retirement assets with a tax-free loophole that allows you to convert your retirement into physical gold and silver. The folks I use are Advantage Gold, and believe me, I've investigated the heck out of all types of people. Advantage Gold is the nation's highest-rated gold company. They have the best process, pricing, and service. If you want to get your free gold and silver investment kit, please contact Advantage Gold right now, and you'll see how easy it is to protect yourself with precious metals. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Now, Hunter Biden won't be getting any jail time, which shouldn't surprise anybody, I guess. But would you be doing some time if you uh, had pled guilty to the same crimes? Cully Stimson is manager of National Security Law Program and a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. And he joins us now. Cully, good to have you back on the show. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So uh, what did he plead to and how much time in prison could he have uh, been handed? So he pleaded, well, he agreed to plead guilty. It hasn't yeah. taken place yet. He okay. agreed to plead guilty to two misdemeanor uh, tax fraud uh, accounts, basically failing to pay taxes in two, two back-to-back years. Uh, he had, he had uh, allegedly uh, earned $1.5 million each year, so he owed a little more than $200,000 in total taxes. And then he also agreed to plead guilty to uh, not being truthful when he applied for a handgun, and of course on the form you have to uh, tell the truth, and he didn't disclose that he was a druggie. Uh, and the U.S. Attorney's Office um, has agreed 
to not seek jail time. Now, I can tell you as a former prosecutor and defense attorney and judge, so I've been all three sides of the courtroom, that the judge is not bound by that agreement. The judge could reject the agreement or the judge could sentence him to jail. I think the likelihood of that is very small. That was my next question. Is it a slam dunk that he won't get jail time? Uh, a judge, as you said, could refuse to accept the plea deal. Why? What would you say? It's very slim. What is usually the case? What? What? What is the usual reason for a judge rejecting a plea deal? Just saying, well, this he got off too easy, or is it a technicality, yeah. or what? No, I mean, I don't think that the judge will look under the four corners of the plea agreement, uh, you know, unless he doesn't find there was a factual predicate uh, for him committing these crimes, but he'll admit to it. So that's not the issue. The issue is whether or not the judge thinks that a similarly situated person who would come before his court either in the past or in the future should get more time. And, you know, I don't I haven't read anywhere that the judge is bound by the sentencing recommendations of uh, the the agreement between the two parties. There are situations where the judge agrees to be bound, but I haven't read that. So the judge could just look at this and say, well, I hear you, Mr. AUSA, you don't want him to get jail. You ask for probation. And I hear you, of course, defense attorney, you're asking for no time, obviously. That's what you're going to argue for. Well, I just don't think that's fair. And I don't feel feel as if I'm bound by that. And I'll sentence him to an appropriate punishment. Well, that brings me to something that I, but this is kind of off the subject a little bit, but uh, since you mentioned that you were a judge, I always wonder about this. Um, the balance, when a judge hands down a sentence, whether it's in this case, whether it's just to accept a plea deal uh, mm-hmm. or just to, just to sentence somebody who's been convicted, in, if it's a murderer um, or someone convicted of any kind of a violent crime, the, um, the, the object... Uh, and. Um, much of it would be to prevent this person from harming society because he's already shown that he's capable of doing that. That's why he's standing in front of you. But in a situation like this, does it come down to only what is the uh, fair punishment? Because he's really no danger to society, and it's not like if you let him back out on the street, he's going to hurt people. So it's all about punishment in this case. Well, there's four traditional peniological uh, reasons uh, for sentencing, one of which is punishment. Uh, and it, of course, the judge has no leeway to sentence somebody outside the statutory maximum. Uh, and here, you're right. I mean, he's pleaded, he's agreed to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax evasion charges, and uh, which is a, a, a felony of not disclosing on his uh, application for the handgun that he was a druggie. But look, when you're a defense attorney in a situation like that, and we see this all the time, this is not a guy who was a dealer or a big pusher of drugs. He was just an abuser and a druggie. And so the defense attorneys clearly convinced the prosecutor, and I don't think it was hard, that look, look at all the videos. You see this guy. He was really jacked up on drugs. He had a problem. He lied. He, didn't, he was embarrassed. Um, and so uh, the judge is going to listen to all those arguments. I'm sure the judge already knows about it because of the pleadings that have been uh, submitted in his court, and the judge will decide what to sentence him to. Uh, what do you say to Democrats and their friends in the media who say nobody goes to prison for lying on a gun application? They're clueless. Um, absolutely clueless. They're on a different planet. Of course some people do. Every case is situated differently. Uh, and so you have to look at the facts of every particular case. And I can tell you as a former AUSA and a former state homicide prosecutor, people do go to prison or jail. Jail is for a person sentenced to a year or less, prison for more than a year, mm-hmm. uh, for for lying uh, about guns. But also, you know, you have to take into consideration that he has no felony criminal record, and a lot of other people do, uh, who are recidivists, uh, and when they lie, uh, you know, the danger of them going back to bad behavior is higher than a person who has a clean record. Oh, so he's, that that's in his favor this time, because it's, he's not necessarily coming in there with a reputation of being a violent criminal or someone who might use his gun in the wrong way. So, right, in the federal system, there are federal sentencing guidelines, and there are guidelines, not not requirements. But one of the calculations that parole and probation will do on the federal side uh, is they'll look at his criminal history record. Well, it's a zero. 
mm-hmm. on a score from zero to a hundred and yeah. he's a zero because he's got nothing. Mm-hmm. And so this is a guy who's not a career criminal and still he'll get the benefit of the doubt. And he'll get the lower end of the uh, sentencing guidelines. But here's the other, another question that's kind of a side issue for me. Um, I always, when I, when I see stories on local news here of, of uh, people committing crimes with guns and many times mm-hmm. uh, they might be minors who are, uh, convicted of shooting some or or charged with at this point uh, of shooting someone with a gun, and I almost never hear any discussion or any part of the story referring to the gun laws that were violated and what kind of a prison term a person could get for those violations. And I I just get the feeling that um, too often those gun violations are waived in order to get them to plead to something else. How often does that happen? I don't know of any studies that have quantified how often that happens, but any defense attorney worth her chops is going to try to plead something down and avoid the enhancement that the gun would add to a felony charge. And that's the problem with these Soros bought and paid for road prosecutors like this Matt Dugan you've got there in Pittsburgh. I mean, 90% of the money he got came through a Soros bought and paid for rogue prosecutor. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in our book that we have coming out next week about called rogue prosecutors, you hear about, you know, oh, we're going to crack down on the guns. Well, you know, these rogue prosecutors, they don't add the gun enhancements to the felony violent crimes, which would expose when convicted the defendant to much more time. Uh, they order their deputy DAs not to add enhancements, sentencing enhancements, uh, punishment enhancements, et cetera. And so, you know, you can hear all the happy talk about reimagined prosecution, and decarceration. But at the end of the day, if somebody's a felon and they use a gun and the state law uh, has an additional time uh, on top of the underlying sentence, when they use a gun in a violent felony, the DA should be adding that gun enhancement. So when the person's convicted, they get the sentence for the robbery and they get the extra 10 years for the use of a gun during the robbery. And this, that's what I'm getting at here. Uh, and we're talking to Cully Stimson. He's a National Security Law Program and Senior Legal Fellow at the Heritage Foundation. What's the title of your book, Rogue Prosecutors? Yeah, it's uh, Rogue Prosecutors, How Radical Soros Lawyers Are Destroying America, America's Communities. It's on Amazon, available for pre-order, and it comes out next week on the 27th. Okay, and that, that's, this is, I just don't get this. The people are running around saying what a what a problem um, gun guns are. What what, what you know? Right. The, the, we need stronger gun control, stronger gun laws. And if it's, it's, I don't know if it's just these rogue prosecutors, but this is the one chance you have to use uh, to, to to have a deterrent, especially for these young people who are who are thinking it's nothing to, to get a gun and go shoot up a, a party somewhere. That you're gonna if you just get caught with a gun and and, and it's illegal you are going to get a lot of time in prison. And why would they not more often throw that book at them so that, they, so that the people get the idea that you, you can't get away with illegal gun, uh, violating gun laws? It's just, it's, it's insane to me. But you can, John, in the cities with these rogue prosecutors, which yeah, but started to- in 2016 in Chicago. Well, well, the reason they don't do that is because they believe the entire criminal justice system is racist, and the only way to change that is to, quote, fundamentally dis- uh, reverse engineer and dismantle, those are their, those were their words, not mine, the criminal justice system. So they mm-hmm. swap a law and order prosecutor like the Democrat you have in office right now, Stephen Zapala Jr., with a pro-criminal anti-victim zealot. And when they get into office, they fire the career hardcore prosecutors. They don't add sentencing enhancements to anybody sentence. They don't let any juveniles, no matter how violent, be tried in adult court. Uh, They water down felonies to misdemeanors. They don't allow their prosecutors to prosecute any misdemeanors, and crime explodes in their cities. And it's not about the gun. I'm a gun guy. I was in the military. I grew up on a farm. I've never seen a gun hop off a table and kill somebody on its own. Yeah. These are criminals who use hammers, knives, ropes, bats, and guns to harm and maim and kill people. And yet it's not really about the guns, because have you seen, for example, in this Biden Justice Department, a push to prosecute felons found in possession of a firearm? Because, of course, it's a federal crime to be a felon and then caught in possession of a handgun. It's under 18 U.S.C. 922 G. Yet there's no push for that. All these rogue prosecutors in Chicago and Philadelphia and Baltimore and Boston and, you know, San Francisco and 
and and uh, L.A. is one of the worst. Uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office is there. They're not pushing these 922G cases because the DA's office is not pushing those cases over there, and the U.S. Attorney's Office is not jacking these people up. We had a crime event here, John, at the Heritage Foundation, where I work. Mm-hmm. And we had the head of the police union, because the D.C. City Council is a bunch of nut jobs, and they passed a pro-criminal reform package, which even the House and Senate rejected and Biden rejected. And I said to the guy, his name's Greg Pemberton, great guy. I said, hey, Greg, if the order came down tomorrow that every felon caught in possession of a handgun would be prosecuted in federal district court under 922G, which has a five-year mandatory minimum, what would it do to the violent crime rates which are spiking in the city? He would say it turn it around the next day. It would have the biggest impact on murders, carjackings, and all the rest of it on day one. Well, but that's not happening. But, Cully, then these the people who are um, responsible for that not happening, they're elected. It's not like they're being appointed. People are voting these people in who who would not be willing to do what you just described, fix the problem overnight. Well, I want to be clear here. There's 93 U.S. attorneys around the country. There's one there in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. They are appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate, uh, and they report to the Attorney General of the United States. These are federal crimes, so they're not elected. Right, no, but I'm talking about local DAs. Right, there's 2,300 DA offices, elected DAs around the country, uh, only about 70 of them are Soros bought and paid for rogue prosecutors like this Dugan will be if he he's, he elected in the fall. Um, but the problem is that that represents over 60 percent of the population of the United States. And, you know, the ingenious, devilish aspect of this movement, John, is that they realize the Soros people and Kerry Tuna and Dustin Moskowitz and the other tech billionaires who fund it, bankroll it, that it's the D.A., who's the gatekeeper to the criminal justice system. It's not the police chiefs, not the sheriffs, not the mayors, not the city councils, not the governor. It's the DA. If she decides not to prosecute somebody, that's it. There's no appeal from that. And they're pro-criminal, anti-victim zealots. And that's why when crime explodes in their cities, they're like, oh, well, you know, we're doing the best we can. Well, no, they're doing the best they can for the criminals. That's whose policies they benefit. It's amazing. Uh, and I have a couple of minutes left here with Cully Stimson. Uh, he's with the, uh, the Heritage Foundation, a senior legal fellow. Um, th- this, I-, I just, again, these, they, you, you have people like Joe Biden who's uh, running around saying we have to fix the, we have to enforce the gun laws. We have to, well, actually what he's saying is we have to have more gun laws. And yet he sees these people being elected to positions that um, create gun crime and he doesn't do anything about it. Is it willful or just stupidity? Yes. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. And our second chapter in our book, uh, and this is not a boring white paper, think tanky book on steroids. This is a true crime novel with real stories of real crimes that, but for the policies, wouldn't have happened in city after city. But our second chapter traces the money. And Soros is the largest donor to the Democratic Party by far. And so Biden is not Biden and Harris and the rest of them. They're not going to go after the persons who are responsible for putting these pro-criminal anti-victim zealots in office, because these are the people that are lining their pockets in their campaigns across the country. So he's never going to do that. And when you hear numbers of the numbers killed, uh, shot and killed in places like Chicago. You know, every Monday or Tuesday, you hear what the weekend numbers are. I know you don't have the exact answer for this, but what would you say the the uh, average number or percentage of those crimes are committed by people who could be sent to prison for a long time just on the gun charge, but aren't? Well over ninety percent. And the sad irony, John, and we do have the numbers in our book because they come from the chief of police or the sheriffs or the state yeah. department of corrections. Uh, but again, it's not a boring numbers statistics book. Yeah. It's a real crime novel book. Uh, and the sad irony of this movement is that 90 plus percent of the victims of these homicides and these violent crimes are black men. Of course, yeah, yeah. And so they, this this failed social experiment, which is still incredibly well funded, forty million dollars in direct spend, spending, over a billion dollars in indirect spending, 
is on the march. They've had some losses like Tessa Boudin in San Francisco. Uh, Kim Fox in Chicago is not going to run again. Kim Gardner in St. Louis resigned in disgrace. Marilyn Mosby lost her primary. Uh, but the other <clears throat> smaller guppies, like this guy, Dugan, uh, he won his primary with 90% of the money directly wow. from Soros PACs. Hey, Cully. And the three ones here in Northern Virginia have. So it's, it's, a, it's a bad movement. You've got to read the book to find out more about it. Real quick, the name of the book, and I've got to go. Rogue Prosecutors, How Radical Soros Lawyers Are Destroying American Communities. Cully Stimson, good luck with the book. We'll have you on to talk about it. Thanks. Thank you much. Appreciate right. it. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. There's still no word on the origin of a debris field that has been found near the Titanic as rescuers search for a missing submersible. The Coast Guard did not say in its tweet whether officials believe the debris is connected to the Titan vessel. Officials say it was discovered within the search area by a remotely operated underwater robot. A Moscow court has ruled that Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovitz must remain in jail on espionage charges until at least late August, rejecting the American journalist appeal to be released. The U.S. Ambassador to Russia, Lynn Tracy. Nonetheless, today in the courtroom, Evan continued to show remarkable strength and resiliency in these very difficult circumstances. Gershkovitz and his employer have denied he spied in Russia. On Wall Street, the Dow is down two points, the Nasdaq up 95. This is SRN News. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252. A lot of towns have a river. Some have two. But nobody has three. Nobody but us. We're Pittsburgh, the city of bridges, 466 bridges, the most in the world. Take that, Venice. We're a renaissance city that refuses to say die. Might as well say we invented ketchup. But the best thing about this town is the neighborhood. The best friend or neighbor you ever had lives right down the block. Great people. That's what makes Pittsburgh what it is. And you have a station that gets that. AM 1250, the answer. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Service Master. July 4th, witness the gripping reality of true heroism. From Angel Studios, the force behind his only son and the chosen comes an extraordinary true story of courage and redemption. Starring Jim Caviezel, the actor renowned for his unforgettable portrayal of Jesus in The Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the breathtaking crew events of a dangerous mission to save young innocent lives. Sound of Freedom. Made at PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Only in theaters July 4th. Do you find yourself stuck in a timeshare? Get the real facts about the timeshare industry and your options for cancellation. Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has put together a free information guide that reveals the secrets the timeshare industry doesn't want you to know, including the five ways to get rid of your timeshare. Call now and get this timeshare cancellation guide absolutely free. Call 800-235-5588. That's 800-235-5588. 800-235-5588. Twelve fifty and FM ninety two point five. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W two two three CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart or Odyssey. AM twelve fifty. The answer. Weather. 
Mostly cloudy skies tonight with a couple of showers around, mainly late tonight. We'll see a low of 60. Cloudy tomorrow, humid with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. We'll see little relief from the humidity in the coming days. The high 73. Considerable cloudiness tomorrow night. Couple of showers and a thunderstorm, low 62. Mostly cloudy Saturday, humid. Couple of showers and a thunderstorm at a high of 77. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we have uh, about 18 months before the next presidential election, and unless he drops out, that means we're going to be hearing a lot more speeches from Joe Biden, and there are two, uh, aren't many topics about which uh, he's more clueless than the Second Amendment. David Harsani, uh, senior editor at The Federalist and the author of First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun, uh, is all here with us now. He noticed that the big guy uh, made that clear again yesterday. Uh, David, thanks for coming on the show. He uh, did it again, didn't he, with the Second Amendment? Yeah, he gave a uh, speech the same day his son got away with a slew of gun crimes, uh, sort of making the argument that we need more laws. Um, but he, I should I should say it's a new speech because it's the same speech he's been giving for about ten years, and right. he just sort of garbles all kind of ridiculous ideas about the Second Amendment, and then he claims that he was uh, a, a law professor teaching this yeah. stuff for uh, four to yeah. six years. He's not sure. Yeah, let me let me. Uh, I'm going to read. Uh, you had this in your piece at the Federalist. This is uh, it's a little long, but I, it's I, I want you to comment on it, and you can pick it apart if you want. Uh, so here's what he said yesterday. Uh, I'm a Second Amendment guy. I taught it for four years, six years in law school. And guess what? It doesn't say that you, that you can own any weapon you want. It says there are certain weapons that you just can't own. <laughs> Even during when it was passed, you couldn't own a cannon. You can't own a machine gun. No, I'm serious. So what's the deal with the idea that it's an absolute? You know, I love these guys who say the Second Amendment is, you know, the tree of liberty is water and the blood of patriots. Well, if you want to do that, you want to work against the government, you need an F-16. You need something else than just an AR-15. Anyway, what's wrong with that? <laughs> every, almost every word is wrong, yeah. actually. Yeah. We could take it right from the beginning. I mean, he says he's a Second Amendment guy, and I'm going to say, in fact, he is not a Second Amendment guy. Um, well, let me try to remember what you just said. So cannons were, of course, 100% in private hands when the Second Amendment was written. There were privateers who had boats filled with cannons that they sure. used. Um, well, David, uh, it says here, it sa- he says... <laughs> It's. I mean, if you get the get out your your hand, your uh, pocket constitution and look at the Second Amendment, he, according to him, it says there are certain weapon, weapons that you just can't own. So, I'm guessing that means there's a list on there, you know, <laughs> cannons. <laughs> I mean, it's like he was a law professor, but I'm not sure he understands how how rights work. It doesn't. Yeah. There's no list of what you can do. It's a negative right. You have the right to defend yourself with arms. Um, so it would be like the First Amendment saying, or it would be like saying, listen, you can't have a laptop or you can't have a book because the First Amendment doesn't say it on there that you can have a book, you yeah, know, or, yeah. or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, that's just ridiculous. No, nowhere in the Second Amendment does it say that. I mean, you could take the position if you feel like it, that you don't like the Second Amendment and you think it should be changed, but you can't just pretend that it says something it doesn't which he constantly does. And then he tries to give this quote about um, how the, the land needs to be watered with the blood of patriots. It's, I forget the exact quote, but it's from Thomas Jefferson in the letter. Yeah. He skips the second part of the quote, which is about uh, tyrants. But um, that has, you know, I, as I write in the column, I've been around, I wrote a book on guns and I've been around people, you know, the yeah. gun debate a, a, a while. I literally have never heard anyone say that, <laughs> but he, he mentions it every speech. Like this is something people are yelling all the time. Yeah. Um, he does that because he's trying to smear gun owners as, you know, potentially violent people, which gun owners, uh, legitimate gun owners are certainly not. Um, so, and, but, but then he says, start laughing. Funny that he says, you know, he's going to scramble F-16s also. I mean, if you yeah. have guns and he doesn't like it, he can scramble F-16s. That's true. He could drop a nuclear bomb on Montana or something yeah. if he felt like it. 
But I don't think that expresses the idea in the way he wants. It just makes me think he's a sociopath and we all should have tanks to protect ourselves, basically. There's no uh, threatening people with violence by saying you, or, or threatening by saying you have more weaponry than they do. That's very authoritarian and not very American. And it's kind of what the Second Amendment is there for. Uh, exactly. It, it, I mean, again, I, I get back to this. He actually says it. It says, referring to the Second Amendment, it says there are certain weapons that you just can't own. Now, that's one. Of, that may be the dumbest thing ever uttered in public by a president of the United States. And and uh, and and how does how are people not laughing in the uh, rolling in the aisles laughing or somebody calling him out for that? And that's just unbelievably stupid. Yeah. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And he's, you know, he said this numerous times. And no one, no, no, no reporter is going to ask him tomorrow at a press conference or something. You said that the, uh, that the Constitution uh, says you can't have certain kind of guns. Like, wh- where does it say that? No one's going to ask him that and challenge him. Well, and also, if, if, if that's the case, shouldn't there be a list somewhere so that people could refer to it? Listen, I'm thinking about buying a bazooka. Uh, do you know if it's. Is, is it all, and I, I want to check the Second Amendment. I want to see if that's on the list of forbidden weapons before I go out and buy one. It's, it's. Well, I mean, you can you can buy a cannon today. Yeah. You could buy a cannon then. You could buy a tank today, actually, if you really want to. And he said you can't have machine guns, which isn't technically true either. You can. It's just difficult, very difficult to get one. Um, so he he doesn't really understand it, and he's wrong. I mean, listen. The debate is what it is. We are where we are. But the founders definitely wanted you to have weapons of war. That was the whole point of having militias and that they wanted a a populace that was armed and could not have their freedoms taken away. I'm not saying I want people to have uh, nuclear weapons. And there is a debate over what bearing arms means compared to like ordnance, you know, stuff like cannons. But but, you know, but that's not what he's talking about. He doesn't even know that debate exists, I'm sure. And he, on the quote that he, he left out a pretty important word in, in the quote that he tried to uh, refer to there, the Thomas Jefferson quote about the Tree of Liberty, uh, he mentioned patriots, but he didn't mention tyrants. It's kind of an important part of it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and what's funny about that quote is I, I've, I didn't get into this because it was getting long, that piece, but he is a you know, big fan of Thomas Jefferson, mentions mm-hmm. him all the time. He doesn't mention that that was Thomas Jefferson who he's sort of negatively quoting. And I have to say, Thomas Jefferson's affinity for the French Revolution was not his best moment, in my opinion, at least. And his uh, sort of the way he talks, frivolous way he talked about people dying is not my favorite thing about Thomas Jefferson either. But most of the founding fathers were not fans of the French Revolution. And this has nothing to do with the Constitution at all. And, and, and people don't really say this quote at all. So it's just something he like picked up in the 90s or something. And he's just repeated ever since. So why do you suppose, David, that uh, so many supposedly smart people buy that argument that he's making there about, you know, uh, you, you can't stand up to the government. Uh, we have our we have you know bigger guns than you have. Uh, why why are so many smart people willing to buy that argument and 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 just refuse to understand the purpose of the Second Amendment? Yeah, I, let me just quickly say one quick thing about the, uh, about the bigger guns. Yeah, it's true that the United States Army has bigger guns, but they had bigger guns in Afghanistan and Vietnam, and there are a lot of places on in the world where small arms wars and you know I'm not saying that we're headed in that direction, but it just because you have more guns and stuff doesn't mean you're going to win the war. Just because you had a nuclear weapon, you didn't drop one in Afghanistan, and you're not going to drop yeah. one on Kansas, right? Right. right. So anyway, uh, why do people believe this stuff? Because they agree, they like the state. They want the state to have bigger guns, and they figure they know he's kind of uh, dumb on this and other things. <laughs> I wouldn't be too mean about it. But, um, you know, they like what he wants to do, so they let it, you know, they let him say it, and, and that's just, politics, you know, and, and, and you're willing to live with people who aren't very bright because they do the things you want. Um, so why is the AR-15 not a weapon of war? Oh, boy. Whenever I write this, I get so many angry responses. I, the AR-15 was initially developed by uh, Gene Stoner, you know, to be a weapon of war because people didn't really make this distinction in the past. He was, you know, the money was in selling stuff to the army, so he was building this weapon. But when the army was dragging its feet and it took a long time, he built a civilian model of it, the AR-15 is, and was selling it probably in like 64, 1964 already. 
it's been in civilian hands for a long time. The Army doesn't use an AR-15. It uses an M-16, which is a different model. So every gun in the end is a weapon of war. A, a 1911 handgun is a weapon of war. It was created during World War One. So, but it wasn't, you know, the AR-15 is a civilian gun. It's in common use among civilians in self-defense and whatever else they, you know, legally want to do with it. And it is not a weapon of war. The Army does not use AR-15s as an infantry rifle. We're talking to David Harsani. He's the senior editor at The Federalist, but also author of a book called First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. So he's uh, studied this, the history of the gun and written about it a lot. Um, uh, and, and you mentioned there's a pretty good chance Joe's lying about having taught constitutional law um, wherever he, I don't know where he was claiming he taught it, but I guess University of Pennsylvania, I don't know. But um, what are they teaching? Are there, are there, are there, cause, because I get back to the fact that there are people who not only are supposedly smart, they are smart people who actually agree with them on this. And they might be teaching in law schools right now. Oh, they're definitely teaching in law schools. And, um, yeah, I mean, people will say, oh, it says militia. Did you forget that part? Yeah, yeah. You know, or, or, you know, well-regulated. What about those words? Well, yeah, well, well-regulated didn't mean uh, the federal government would make laws to, to tell you what gun you can own. I can't even imagine someone in colonial times or, or after the revolution uh, even understanding what you're, you were talking about if you said that the federal government was going to make a law about what musket they could own. That's yeah. not what well-regulated means. It, it meant you shouldn't have people shooting in the air and being drunk when they're, you know, marching with a militia or using a gun in that way. So, you know, what also um, it meant, David, at least correct me if I'm wrong. You, you wrote books about this. I didn't. But I, I reading a lot of history from that time, um, I, I kind of stumbled upon it. The use of the word regulated. I, I remember reading uh, I read a biography of James Madison. And there was a, a letter, and they were talking about how what what a character Dolly Madison was, and how well she, how how um, efficient she was, and how great she was at putting on uh, events at the White House, and blah blah blah. And um, a, a visitor there to this party she put on said that she'd served the dinner with great regularity, and what that meant was that they used the proper silverware; it was placed at the right. You know, in the right spot, the the the, court, the courses came at the right time, and I also saw a quote from John Paul Jones, who uh, was was observing. I think it was the Russian Navy, and he said that they they were very well regulated. And he didn't. What he meant by that was well drilled and well equipped. That's what the word was used for back then. That's right. That's right. You know, there was a great suspicion among the people about a national army, and that was what the debate really was. And that's why the Second Amendment's written in the way it is. It's kind of combining two ideas. And um, and the, the funny thing, I think at least, or the ironic thing, is that the two ideas, the militia idea and the, the, the idea that a person can bear arms mm -hmm. himself or herself, is connected because the people in the militia brought their own weapons. They didn't weren't handed a weapon for the most part when they got there. They right. had their own weapons. It was an yeah. armed populace who also had militias. Those two things are separate, but in a weird way, they're also connected. But they're not, you know, it's not a necessity to connect them. Yeah, and so um, you also uh, wrote a piece uh, a couple of days ago about uh, Joe's son, Hunter, getting off easy on a, a gun law violation. Um, I guess you wrote that yesterday because that's when it happened, right? Um, but anyway, uh, d d this is um, – wh what does this do to the liberals' constant call for more gun control, the fact that he, get, that he gets a slap on the wrist? Well, I went back and I found that in 2013, I think it was, Biden was tasked by President Obama to write some kind of gun uh, proposal. It was going to be a serious one. This is what Obama based all his – efforts on and one of the planks of the proposal was that we you know that attorney generals need to go after people who break the law and one of the laws that they need to go you know bro that that people break that they needed to go after was lying on background check <laughs> which is exactly what hunter did yeah so someone should ask the president does he still believe that that's true or does he think that a, a person who is on crack brandishing a gun in front of another person and then trying to dump that gun in a garbage near a high school, uh, a gun that is illegally obtained because he lied on his background check form, 
should uh, not be punished at all, which Hunter wasn't. Is that still his standard? What is his standard? Of course, like all these gun control organizations, none of them have come out and said, yeah, this is terrible what's happened. Um, So, yeah, I think that's an interesting angle, but I doubt it will be asked. Yeah, if if they were um, actually um, sincere about their effort and honest and not hypocritical, that they would have jumped all over that, wouldn't they? Wouldn't we be hearing from from uh, the gun control organized gun control people that this yeah. is a this is an example of exactly why we have guns on the streets and blah blah blah. The funny thing is, I wanted him to be charged on that, not because I care very much about Hunter, but because yeah. I actually think it's unconstitutional. There have been many cases recently where people have challenged that question, like, "Have you done drugs or or whatever?" because it's basically undermines the Fifth Amendment and undermines the right to have guns, nor does it say that you have to admit to some kind of action that is not even illegal in many places, like uh, marijuana is now legalized in states, that you should lose your gun. So it would have been great if it was like Biden v. United States and they had overturned the 1968 (laughs) Gun Control Law Act, but alas, it did not happen that way. Finishing up here with David Harsani. He's the author of First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. One last thing I want to go back to uh, the issue with um, what, what, which got me to call you was your piece on Joe's idiotic statements yesterday. And you mentioned that there are people teaching constitutional law who would agree with most of what he said there. There are actually people, this is what scares me, there are people on the Supreme Court, aren't they, who would read that and not think it's idiotic? Well, I think for sure there are people in the Supreme Court who do not believe that the uh, the First Amendment is an individual right. They probably probably believe in the collective theory that it was a militia, it was for militias. Mm-hmm. So yes, is is the answer. Though think about this: if everyone was in a militia, do you think that liberals would like that? If we all joined militias to get our guns, <laughs> I think they would be uh, yeah. even less in, in, uh, into it. But they pretend that that's what it's about. Well, I, I, it was really good piece, and um, I, I just hope the right people, enough right of the right people, read it uh, because the, I hear this argument all the time, and it, it just, it really, it, it's just really annoying. The F sixteen thing, it's just, and it's one thing for some, just a guy on the street to say it, but the president of the United States in a speech on a regular basis, it's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, also the idea that some guy in the Army is going to get in or in the Air Force is going to get in an F-16 and bomb Americans seems pretty off to me as well. Yeah, hey, hey David, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, we'll be right back. Networth Advisors has a question for you. Is your retirement inflation-proofed? Here's what we mean. In retirement, chances are you're on a fixed income with variable expenses. So how do you not run out of money when the cost of just about everything continues to go up? You inflation-proof it. Beth Andrews and the team at NetWorth Advisors can show you strategies to help combat inflation so it doesn't outpace your retirement income. Call us today at 800-426-1428 to learn more. Inflation could take a huge chunk out of your retirement savings, but it doesn't have to. With some simple planning, inflation can go from being a major disruption to a minor annoyance. Call Beth Andrews and the team at NetWorth Advisors now to start inflation-proofing your retirement today. 800-426-1428. That's 800-426-1428. NetWorth Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. Investing involves risk. Firm offers insurance services. Listeners continually make the My Slippers the number one selling My Pillow product, and I have a feeling you're going to want to stock up now when you hear this offer. This is John Stogerwald, and when you use my promo code STAG, you'll get the all season slippers for $25, regularly $149.98. That's over $120 in savings, limited to 10 pairs at checkout. These will sell out, trust me. My slippers have an exclusive four layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. The patented layers make these slippers ultra comfortable and extremely durable they help relieve stress on your feet and you can wear them anytime anywhere they also come in a ton of additional sizes and all new colors just go to mypillow.com click on the radio podcast square to grab a pair of the all-season slippers for 25 dollars regularly priced at 149.98 limited 10 pairs at checkout enter promo code stag or call 800-426-1428 800-426-1428 
800-716-8087 for this incredible offer. These won't last long, so please order now. The IRS is the most powerful collection agency on earth, and if you owe back taxes, the news isn't good. The IRS is raising the interest rate it charges on unpaid taxes, and further rate hikes are expected. Most people don't know it, but the IRS adds interest charges to your tax debts daily. So if you owe the IRS today, you'll owe even more tomorrow. And it doesn't stop until you get right with the IRS. The good news is getting right can start with one phone call to Optima Tax Relief, America's number one tax relief firm. Optima's tax professionals specialize in the Fresh Start Initiative, a powerful IRS program that can save you thousands if you qualify. In fact, the experts at Optima have resolved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. Call now for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. This is the John Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, we uh, celebrated Juneteenth. Uh, yesterday, I believe it was. It was the day before June. I think maybe it's June nineteenth. Oh, was it? When was it? Monday. Okay, sorry about that. But I, I came across this on Twitter. Do I have, how much time I got, Mike? One minute. This is from a guy. He says, "I want to explain Juneteenth for some personal context. I'm a white guy married to a black woman for thirty plus years. He comes from a very large, very poor family, living largely in Florida and Georgia. They can trace, trace their roots back to the slave days." Literally, no one in her family had ever heard the word Juneteenth until it was made a federal holiday. Apparently, the only black people who had ever even heard of that word were from a very specific region of Texas. So why is it a holiday? Because rich white Democrats are patronizing racists. You see, Juneteenth is a bastardized word that smacks of an uneducated grasp of the English language. He goes on, but I'm out of time. But he he finishes with this. For the record, remember his wife is black. For the record, my wife and most of her family hate this holiday like poison. Just thought I'd throw that out there since I wasn't here the last couple of days. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.